When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good evening and welcome to Sugar, Sugar, Silk and Stretch, a unique boxing podcast brought to you exclusively by Ace Podcast Nation. My name is Ben Doughty. My name is Michael Silk Alagedy, and I'm wondering why you're starting it so dour. Mr. Downey. I'm starting it so dour. I'm glad you yes. asked me that question, Silk. I'm glad you asked me that question, Michael. Uh, it was because I thought our ident was going to play that thing that goes like, and it shows uh-huh. the sugar, silk, and stretch, and it didn't. It didn't seem to happen for some reason. So that's all you know. A little bit. Well, of I did see the face, the Ali's face. You know, the greatest of all time. Say again. I did see Ali's face. Ali's you saw face it. Up in the, in the, yeah. Absolutely. In that case, that's great. You know, in that case, that's wonderful. As long as they saw Ali. Um, I don't know if we're going to run into problems down the line, by the way, for using his image when we didn't run it by anybody, but I'm guessing it's going to be okay for yeah. our you know, kind of logo. So, <laughs> Michael, last night, Katie Taylor turned the tables on Chantel Cameron at the Three Arena in Dublin uh, and became the undisputed light welterweight, female light welterweight champion of the world, in addition to the fact she's already the undisputed lightweight champion of the world. It's funny, you know, I remember when Henry Armstrong held, I don't remember it personally, I wasn't alive, you understand, but I remember reading about Henry Armstrong when he was featherweight, lightweight and welterweight champion of the world, undisputed, all at the same time. They forbade him to do that and they put it into the books that you had to relinquish the title. They don't seem to have that situation in the women's game in 2023 because I've not heard that anybody has questioned Katie's status. Um, Let's start at the start. You seem to have the conviction that that was a knockdown in the first round that Chantal Cameron scored. Well, even before we get there, Ben, I'd like to say that one thing I want to say about all – like, you can make generalities, and generally uh-huh. generalities aren't very good. But in this case, I just got to say that there's one thing about all female fighters. They have the greatest hearts. Like, they have the kind of hearts that are practically overkill. It's crazy. Like, it's commendable to a fault, really. Um, yeah. You know, we get to stuff. We can delve into that after we obviously uh, talk about what you want to talk about. But I mean, the, the it, it's so like glaring the heart, the energy, the the fact that they want to be exciting, the one they want to represent boxing in the purest of light, and and because of that, so many things. It's all about 
whoever is the most aggressive is generally the winner. Whoever is the one who engages the most or throws the most punches, not not the one who you know rides punches, gets under block, shows the skill, and comes back with like um, scintillating combinations. Those kind of people, you know, it's not it's not a part of female boxing really yet, for the most part. Anyway, there are exceptions, I'm sure, but. Um, yeah, it was it was really uh, it was really interesting to see and and hearing the commentators talking about it's the greatest fight of the year and all the rest of that kind of stuff. I was like, okay, let me see how this plays out. But anyway, let's go to the starting point. What you said. I'm sorry. Could you repeat your question, Ben? I thought you you seem to think uh, and uh, Julian McGowan, my good friend, is preempting what I was about to say um, as well. But you seem to think it was a knockdown. To, to paraphrase your text to me earlier. You yes. said, I saw the first round of knockdown. That was ridiculous, the fact they didn't allow it was a knockdown. Julian McGowan said what I was going to say. He said, slowed it down, glanced the shoulder, Taylor's jab, can Taylor counter-jabbed quickly and Cameron blocked and Katie jolted backwards quickly. It looked to me like it, I'm going to show a clip, by the way, but it looked to me like it landed under the arm or on the armpit, that shot, which is a bit of a grey area, really. Not literally. Yeah. But. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, not not really, not at all. The way those rules of boxing are is if the punch hits an illegal scoring area and nobody scores a punch to the armpit or, and, and they counter. But if you go down from the force of the blow, you go down from the force of the blow. It's a knockdown. It may not be uh, a knockdown that's going to give you a, you know, a long counter, put you in jeopardy, but it is a legitimate knockdown. Well, I don't know about that because particularly if you strike someone in the chest, the women are not allowed to hit in the chest, right? In the same way the men, it's anything goes. Um, uh, I'm not sure about that. Allowed to hit in the chest. Are those the rules? Of would you would breasts? you think it's okay to hit in the breasts? I, I would well, guess. I mean, no. they have they have protectors, right? They wear protectors. Yeah, yeah well, we got protectors on we got protectors on the abdominals. You're not allowed to hit people in the in the crotch, are you? Well, you're not allowed to hit them in the testicles, and uh, and now we have the whole, not to hit them on the cup. the whole controversy of, of where that starts. You know what I mean? But, um, but listen, I'm going to play the clip because Julian McGowan said the punch yeah. did not push her backwards, Ben. I'll send it to you. Let's let's play the clip. Ready? Um, what I need to find, we've got videos here. Okay, um, bear with me for a second, guys, while I get this. Yeah, this is cool. Okay, you, are you ready? You ready for yeah, this? Ready. Let's go. I've slowed it down for you, Silk. I've slowed it down for our audience. I want you to have a look at this. I don't, don't try and fight your corner, just look at it objectively. Like, literally, you've never heard of it until now. Ready? Okay. Are you seeing it? Yeah. I saw it. Um, okay, great. I didn't see it. It's weird. Could you, could you play it one more time? I can. Excuse me, okay. ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to play it again. I can't see it. The interesting thing is you can see it, but I can't. How funny is that? Okay. It's Sorry. I only see half of it, right? So. Are you ready? Yeah. I, I, it hasn't been played, Ben. You said you've seen it once. Oh, here it goes. Here it goes. Okay. Yeah, that's a legitimate knockdown. That's a punch thrown with force. And if you go down from the force of a punch, whether it, if it hits in the scoring area, and it looked like it hit her more in the neck area, like here, like in the in the I don't neck. think it hit her on the neck. No, Silk. I think it hit her here, honestly. Mm -hmm. No, it didn't hit her in the under the armpit. That's impossible. She didn't even raise her hand like that. What are you saying, guys? It um, looks like a punch on the shoulder, says Joe. It's definitely on the neck. Watch my angle. 
uh, Julian said he sent it to me. Watch the clip I've just sent you, but I, I can't watch clips. I can't get clips when I'm when I'm, when I'm on the broadcast, unfortunately. Yeah. To so me, I it looks like it was Ben. To me, it looked like it was collarbone, neck area. Um, See, that would if that was the case, I would say it was a, it was a knockdown, but I don't think it was. That's what I disagree with. So you, but, but, but play it again because you're saying it hit her in the armpit. Yeah, it looked like it. Yeah, but she Katie didn't. Raise her, at the same she time. didn't raise her hand. She didn't raise her hand to be hitting the arm. She, she jabbed at the same time. She jabbed at the same time. Uh, absolutely. Okay, can you says, one I'm, more time. Let's run that back. No, because it, it's unprofessional uh, uh, to keep going the same clip again. But that's not that's not a show. That's not how you do it. Julian McGowan is saying I've slowed it more, different angle, and it had absolutely no force. You've got the wrong angle. Julian sent me a clip. No, 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 no. Of course it had force. She stepped in on it. And the girl stepped into it at the same time. That that jab was just as... I remember when... Who was it? Larry Holmes knocked down um, with the... with the Not Oscar De Leon. He was a cruiserweight. Who was that? He knocked down a kid. He knocked out a kid. Uh, I think he was from Puerto Rico or the islands with a jab. Ozzy Ocasio, was that it? Ozzy Ocasio. Jaws Ocasio, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and knocked him out with the jab, and and he hit him in the side of the head, and, it, and it's a jab, and jabs by by their nature, those kinds of jabs don't have that kind of power to drop you like like a right hand, like that was like a right hand. It wasn't a shotgun jab; it was just a basic jab, that, and he went down from it like it was a, a right hand, is what I'm trying to say. Sure, sure. In this instance, she stepped in with her jab. And 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 jammed it, so it was like it was like uh, it was almost like um, like if you took a two by four, there was no bend in the elbow. It's like bow, just drove it into her, and she fell back from the force of the blow. She didn't fall forward. She didn't. Her legs didn't wobble. All the rest of that kind of stuff. But she fell back from the force of. The but did blow. you see that she stamped on her foot too? Did you notice that? No, she didn't step on her foot. I think. Yes, she did off. stamp on her foot. I think it was off. Want to to it again? No, I'm not going to play it again because we've already played it twice. She stamped on her foot. Why wouldn't you play three times? Three times is like you see everything. Okay. Like I say, Julian McGann said he sent me a better angle, which he said if you saw this angle, it would put all the debate to, you know, to bed. But uh, all right, I've only got, I can only play the clip I can play that we've got loaded up right okay. now. Watch right. the feet this time, Michael. Okay. Cameron I mean, stepped I on I watched it when I saw it earlier the first time because I thought, oh, she stepped on her foot. No. I Watch didn't... it. Cameron steps on Taylor's foot, then it finishes with Taylor's foot on Cameron's foot somehow, like she re reciprocates. Watch this. No, she missed her foot completely. Absolutely missed her foot. In fact, you could almost make a case that she caught her lower jaw and there was some sort of neurological thing going on because her back foot quit. Usually when you fall back, your right foot steps back too. If it's, if it's a non- uh, like brain uh, knockdown is what I'm trying to say. Basically, if it's a non-neurological knockdown, your foot will step back if it's a forceful thing. And her foot didn't. Her foot, her coordination, about involuntarily, involuntarily caused her body not to, her right foot not to step back, and she fell upper body first. She didn't, she didn't anything else. Nothing else happened in that. That was a forceful punch that dropped her, no doubt. Uh, you clearly want to die on this hill. Um, the oh, referee yeah. didn't call it. I'll say you, you want your second to guns. That's fine. I understand that. I don't agree. J Julian McGann, as you see, said the punch doesn't move her. Taylor counter-jabbed and Cameron caught it. Um, we'll have to look at this angle he sent me afterwards. You know, I, I wish we could play it now, but we can't. But listen, okay, that was the first round. 
Um, she didn't. The referee didn't award the knockdown, and things went on. You know, and I think Kate Taylor was a worthy winner. I do think that the the own commentary team were very biased towards Taylor. They oh didn't yeah, absolutely. Really they were, you know, which is a problem in boxing generally, isn't it? You know, that we see this, these people who create the narrative, they are, they have a lot to answer for. Well, it's Taylor's hometown. And I don't know how experienced the commentators are with it, but, you know, you have all this juice and energy for Taylor and she's somewhat of a, of a legend with women's fighting and her last two fights have been, you know, incredible fights, energetic fights, fights that people want to see. So she's on, on the tip of everyone's tongue. She's come home, she's fighting in Ireland and, so you kind of expect that from, you know, people going to see the fight, but you wouldn't expect that from guys behind the mic. You want a nice, even call. Um, I don't think, I don't think that happened. Um, first thing, when I came, when I, when I sat down and I started watching, you know, some of the stuff you sent me and the, the first thing I would have done if I was the referee, I would take points off Taylor for excessive at some point during that fight. Yeah. Every time they got close, like this, you know what I mean? The holding, all the rest of that kind of stuff. Now, that that has to – for boxing to, to continue to grow and develop and evolve, it needs to evolve its rules. And that's one of the rules it has to evolve. Excessive clinching uh, for no reason. Now, if you're hurt, I understand clinch. Uh, you know, we've all been there. That's a part of the survival but if, if it's a part of your fight, if you're punching and then grabbing somebody, Game plan. grabbing them before they punch, no, 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 no. That right away tells me you're not in control as a fighter and you need to be. It's like sticking your head out the ropes like Jimmy Young did to Ali. It's like, no, you can't squelch a combination like that. That's illegal. You can actually really block and slip punches and do all that. That's great. We want to see that. But we do not want to see holding and clinching. Gone. People accused Vladimir Klitschko in particular of, 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 of basing an entire reign on that jab and grab style. Yeah. Did you feel that way? Yeah, I absolutely felt that way. I mean, I remember seeing um, Greg Page and George Chaplin, and I was just like, oh, my God, these guys. Are, <laughs> it was on ABC's <laughs> Wide World of Sports. I think Howard yeah. Cosell was calling it. Greg Page, Louisville Rage. And Greg was great, great talent. And, yes. and and George Chaplin, you know, I mean, he's up there in the world, so he's, he's better than your average dude. And and these guys were just holding and mauling and holding each other the whole time. And I was just like, no, this isn't a part of boxing. And once we can get rid of that, the sport's going to do better. Now, conversely, on the other side, um, uh, with Cameron, I would take points immediately. Punch one. When she punches Taylor in the back of the head, that's it. I'm not <coughs> Not even, not even one second of thought. The first, she's a professional; she knows better. The first time she hits Taylor in the back of the head, I'm stopping it and I'm calling her. I'm taking a point, and then every yeah. time she does it up to then, I'm gonna disqualify her after three. That's it. I'm not playing. You can't. I mean, it's crazy. We all know by now, Ben, that punches to the back of the head are the worst shots you can get hit with. Yeah, they can be very damaging. Um, Cerebral cortex is right there. All that stuff. Yeah, I mean, everything is right there. And, and so um, you cannot have any patience with things like that. You need a referee that's brave, that's going to step in and do the right thing immediately for the safety of all fighters, which takes me to another point. I'm, I'm running ahead with this. I'm sorry. So maybe I'm going to wait for you to catch up to me. Do you want to talk about the uh, – uh, about? Any of that, like the rabbit punching or the excessive holding? 
What's your opinion? Only, I, don't, I don't want to interrupt your flow. Your flow's okay. And you will be aware, much as I, I like it all best when there's the three of us, it is more manageable when it's just you and me. Because really, we can lock each other out for 10 minutes, but I don't worry about what the other guy's feeling or he's getting pissed off. So this works. <laughs> and if, if you want to keep flowing, that's cool. I mean, you, you're not the only person to, to talk about excessive holding from Katie Taylor. You know, uh, they said that that was the entire game plan, whereas some people are saying, well, you, you know, John Martin, who's part of the Atlantic City Boxing Hall of Fame, uh -huh. um, who we met when we were at NAC. He, he organised it with Ray McLean. Uh -huh. uh, he, he's a big Irish uh, supporter, obviously, because he's of Irish heritage. And he was saying, no, that's just smart for Taylor because she was out-muscled last time. She was out-hustled. That she did exactly the right thing, grabbing and holding. And, you know, what Taylor did well, which was legal and artistic, was she, she was slipping Cameron's jab and she would come back with great hand speed, like a three-punch combination. A lot yeah. of the time, she would slip that jab and come back with two, three, two. At yeah. least, at least two, three, two, and then yeah. she would grab her. Yeah. After that, you know. But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that and that is, um, to me, that's a lazy man's way out. You know what I mean? Or lazy girl's way out. Yeah. Well, yeah, lazy boy, lazy girl, same thing. Um, it's it's just because you don't have to exhibit any defensive attributes when you grab somebody, and that's again, those are the kind of things that are hurting the sport. It's like, <laughs> And and not only hurting the sport, hurting the fighter because clinching is never really an effective defense. It's not as effective as slipping and blocking. That's for sure. It's funny. I'm, I watched you. I was seeing some highlights of your fight with Barclay the other day. Yeah. So I know yeah. you've been hanging out with this weekend, and you got a little interview <laughs> which we'll reveal to the channel when we've done a little production. But um, but you, to be fair, you do have the courage of your convictions and what you're pra you practice what you were today preaching. Because you were like rocking and rolling and moving and playback yeah. and roll this way and, and yeah. block. And you, you were rolling and moving your head like a yeah. man possessed, almost like someone said, Michael, you get the million dollar prize as long as you don't put your hands on him, as long as you try yeah. and avoid punches for as long yeah. as this fight lasts in any way other than grabbing him. It's almost yeah. like you thought it was illegal to clinch. Yeah, and, and you know, and in retrospect, you think, well, that's the option that's open to you so that you would do that. But it just isn't in my nature. Like, I know I've been hit and hurt before and guys have been on me and I've kind of, you know what I mean? It's like it's someone puts your body on you. And so when they do that and try to move you, your initial, uh, <coughs> your instinct is to grab them and turn them back the other way or not go with their, with what they're doing. But, but holding on to survive was never um, something that, I thought was obviously the options are there and trainers teach you that. It's not something that I learned. It's not something I particularly wanted to learn or would be proud of either. I, I, I really thought that, um, you know, it's, it, it's almost like if you're in a gunfight and one guy, you know, you take, you stand off and you do your 10 paces and then you turn around and fire and the other guy ran behind the tree and is shooting at you from behind the tree. It's like, <laughs> wait, those, those aren't the rules. That isn't how it works. Well, I don't want to get shot. So, of course, I'm going to do that. You know what I mean? I'd like to draw your attention to that comment from Julian McGowan. I think it'll yes. be up your streets. Yeah, he says, uh, negating grabbers at lost art. In the pocket, elbows tucked in. No way to grab inside. See Donald Curry. But, I mean, there are a number of ways around it, Julian. You can certainly... Um, you know, grab your opponent, which Ali was so famous with, uh, like behind the head. Um, yeah. But, clinch, but clinching the body, like grabbing behind the head is one thing. Clinching and stopping the hands from moving is an absolutely different thing altogether in my estimation. So what do you think, 
Katie Taylor is being hailed now because last night they were obviously frothing at the mouth in praise for her. I'm not going to say it was all undeserved, but it was a very highly emotive occasion, wasn't it? And perhaps it's good to look at things more in a kind of unemotive way under the test tube. Some yeah. people are talking to her at this point that she's not only Ireland's greatest fighter of all time, wow. but she is the greatest sports person ever from Ireland. Now, oh my God. do you think more that's a little hyperbolic? <laughs> that's a, well, Ireland's had some pretty great athletes, right? Um, I sure. mean, from from like I know like golf and let me see uh, <coughs> soccer and um, and um, boxing, of course. Well, let's some... talk fighters. Okay, yeah. I mean, I mean, look, Jim Watt wasn't he from Ireland? No, he was Scottish. Scottish. Oh, okay, my bad. Okay, but it's a land, Ireland and Scotland, so and they're pretty close. So see, you that's know. the thing. That's the larger day way. Dude, double down on your mistakes. Double down like crazy on your mistakes. Do not blink. Do it, which is easier for you because you've got <laughs> only got one eye. You've got to absolutely keep open. You know? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you, you're probably getting tired of the eye jokes. But the fact no, is, no, no, no. I, 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 no, I, I don't. <laughs> but Steve Collins was better, says Joe. Steve Collins was was, was Irish. Barry McGuigan was Irish. Rinty, yeah, Rinty yeah. Monaghan, you know, Rinty Monaghan uh -huh. uh, was another one. But uh -huh. the thing is, if you look at this, is the thing with, between statistics, Michael, and putting statistics in context, which I know you're a big advocate of the need to do that because she is uh, an Olympic champion, or I think she may she's not a double Olympic champion. I don't think, but she's an Olympic champion. She was an Irish. You know, she's an amateur world champion. She won everything in the amateurs. She's a double, two-weight, you know, undisputed world champion. Mm -hmm. But what do you think of the standard overall when you look at it? When Some people will probably tell you that women are right up there now and, and, the, and there's an equalitarian landscape. Okay, absolutely, I mean, come on, Ben. It's like the levels of competition just aren't the same if you're comparing them to what men do. No. Uh, well, you know what I mean? The levels of competition are just not the same. And when you, like, for instance, when I think everyone's game stepped up when you have a great champion. When you have a great champion, everyone's ability, uh, you know, because you actually, when you're a contender or even before when you're a kid and you're inspired by somebody and one day you may get a chance to get in the ring with them, you're doing, you're fighting better. You're learning more because that's where you want to get to. And you know, uh, you know, instinctively that you're going to have to have these abilities to beat that guy and that's going to make you better. Yeah. In, in, in women's boxing, that isn't necessarily so. I mean, and what about the standard? Look, what about just the aesthetic visual standard that you're witnessing when you watch those fights? Yeah, you know, one of the things I, I, I noticed with um, with her, uh, um, and that was with Taylor, Katie Taylor, and I just thought she absorbs a lot of punishment no matter what. Yeah. You, no matter what. her Defensively, she's not sound at all. And I almost look at her and I see like neurological things already that just kind of like, it kind of shakes me. I see things already that kind of looked, uh, yeah. And it could be as, as Saj says right here, Taylor turned pro quite late and belatedly. And, and I think you can do that when you're, when everybody doesn't have incredible talent, you know what I mean? But yeah. Um, I just, I just, it's hard to see that kind of ability in, in female fighters i just don't see it there the men don't have the men who train them don't seem to have the um the expertise or the patience or whatever it is they don't expect that of women they don't expect you them said this before yeah yeah that they can that they can do things men can women can slip punches women can parry punches women can 
faint and 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 par- like like I was saying and and do all everything a man can do a woman can do but you have to be patient resilient and 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 you know what I mean you have to be consistent in in terms of teaching them and they'll absorb and they'll get better at it I mean look to be fair not all men do it either right sure. I mean, and I think you've you've looked at fights recently, like Josh Taylor when he lost to Teofimo Lopez. You were saying like, where was the head movement? Where were the parries? Where yeah. was the combination punches? Where yeah. were the setups? Where yeah. was his ability to ride a shot? You yeah. you see some things lacking in in skills across the board sometimes. I know that because yes, absolutely, and boxing all together as as one. But now we should be more advanced than that because we have the power of video. Like in in the forties, the fifties, the sixties, even the seventies. And partway even into the 80s, you didn't get a chance to see the guys you were going to fight before you fought them. You know what yeah. I mean? Whereas today, you have a litany. You have, like, a person's history. You have the right there on your fingertips Everything. on YouTube. Every single fighter, even if he's 0-15, you can see him on YouTube, and you can, you know what I mean? You can go ahead and prepare for him, you know, the way you're supposed to prepare for a fighter. Um, so you're getting the news early. Back in the day, you didn't get any news. You get in there and you're figuring it out on the spot. Do you know what, Michael? That's why guys like Mickey Duff on this side of the pond or Johnny Boss on your side of the pond were so indispensable and so important back then, amongst other reasons. Because Mickey Duff, he knew everybody. He knew the fighters and he'd seen them. Or he knew somebody who had seen this guy. He had links. He had intelligence. That's when intelligence really counted. You said it. So a female fighter contact, I won't go into the name of her. She's actually quite successful at the minute, but she approached me about helping with her career the other day. And I had, a, and obviously I have a look at her straight away because you can do that. Back yeah. in the day, guys like Mickey Duff, they were actually, you know, they were fonts of information and yeah. not everybody had that information. It was esoteric. You know what I mean? A guy like Johnny Voss, he knew fighters all over the country in every part of the United States. And what she they were broke up of. there for a second. That last then that last sentence, she broke up. Yeah, okay. So I was just talking about how important it was back in the day to have this knowledge because not everybody had it. Whereas now, yeah. like you said, and you know, you made me think when you mentioned the 1940s and 50s, Iceman John Scully was having a debate a couple of days ago, I see, on Facebook. And someone was talking mm-hmm. about the way skills have improved from the, you know, from back in the day. And Scully, in his inimitable way, said, with all due respect, you 1000% absolutely do not understand the skills of the guys in the 40s and the 50s, okay? He was like, you absolutely 1,000% do not understand and are not qualified to make that call because yeah. you don't understand how skilled fighters yeah. were back then, you know? Yeah, yeah, they really were. And they were, they were, they wouldn't use as much like excessive energy. They were very, um, you know, they were very uh, cultured in their fightability. They were very structured and very, you know, everyone had a fight theory, and you stuck to that going into you stuck to that going into the ring, and it made sense. A lot of guys wouldn't come up out of that, and I understand that too. It's your reach of abilities will tell you what you can accomplish and what you can't. But uh, at the same time, yo, those guys from those days, and, and the kind of pain tolerance and and that you'd have to go through, it's not like today at all. It really isn't. And and, and you know, yeah, modern day boxing is. I wouldn't say it pales in comparison, but, you know, um, some of the things are a lot more aggravating about modern day boxing compared to what it was back in the day, back in the 40s, 50s, 60s. Moving on to Las Vegas, David Benavides last night. Um, 
Uh, do we do we not want to like there were a couple of good questions that came in. Do we not want to address them on Taylor? And sure, you can. But can you tell me what you'd like to deal with? Um, you know, you can answer this one from Sarge Ali straight away if you like. Uh, do women's physiology make any difference in terms of style and movement, punching technique, etc.? For instance, you were talking about the chest, chest area. area. Um, well, what do you think about that, Ben? <clears throat> so here you go. <laughs> yeah, first. You, you were you were classic. I'll give it. You what, were no, let Ben. Ben, I'll, I'll, your, Ben. Let me ask you one question. What's the name yeah. of this show? Sugar, silk, and stretch. Okay, so there you go. I, I defer to you first because you're first. You're the first name. Come on now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what, a, what a joy you are. Okay, so let me read the question again. Does women's physiology make a difference in terms of style and movements? Well, I don't know. I think that um, I don't suppose it should make a difference to essential boxing styles and ways of fighting. I mean, obviously, you talk about the chest area, which is we have a forbidden zone below the belt. And we've had arguments recently about precisely where the belt is quite famously in World world Heavyweight Championship fights. Uh, they have an area which is off-limits, which is right in the middle of them, which the chest is not a scoring area in men's boxing as such. Or It's a grey area, isn't it? No one ever really... People aim for the chest when you want to weaken something. Nobody you don't, does you don't it. expect nobody to score points. It. Nobody does it, but if somebody did it, believe yeah. me. You well, sometimes, yeah. I was told, I remember, I, I'm not forgetting the question, but I remember Joey Gamarch saying to me, when I was sparring with Wayne Braithwaite, I'm name-dropping now in full effect, can't can't match you, but I'll He's have a kind go. of big, isn't he? Isn't he kind of big for you? That Wayne Brink He is, is, but it's not about size. It's about skills, and he just wasn't at the races, Silk. I've got to tell you, it was embarrassing. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know what it is. Wayne Braithwaite. Do you know what the reason why he sparred with guys like me, welterweights was, and like middleweights? His trainer, Colin Morgan, said, whenever you put him with a cruiserweight or a heavyweight, he wants to absolutely decapitate them. He tries yeah. to kill them. He yeah. says, you guys, he has to go easy on you, and I like him. He liked him to spar with little guys, quick guys, and he, mm -hmm. he said he moves with you real nice and technical, and that's good. He said, yeah. I don't like him sparring with, with like heavyweights and cruiserweights all the time. Yeah. So I was sparring with Wayne Braithwaite, and because he's an elusive, he was an elusive guy, and he was a very good fighter, obviously, a yeah. WBC world champion. Yeah. Joey Gamarch said to me, if you can't hit him in the head or whatever, he said, try and hit him in the gloves or the arms or the chest. He was trying to tell me to hit something. Mm -hmm. I know guys like Rocky Marciano would do that. It was part of their kind of... Uh, investment program to weaken a guy, but it's right. not part of the target area as such. But we're talking about women. Um, it's an unwritten rule between women, says Julie McGowan. Uh, do I think women are physically different in a way that means they box with different styles? I don't see why they should be, to be honest with you. What do you What do you think, Michael? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked, young man. <laughs> I, I think that um, I think it's the way their trainers approach women that makes them different. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yes. Uh, that's the main difference between the two. It's the way the trainers approach them. They they still see them as women and not athletes, not boxers. Not, they're not teaching them the same things or, or, or um, uh, doing it the correct way, I don't think. I think that's one. Two, um, physiologically, I think there's a difference. Um, I mean, women can be just as aggressive <coughs> as men. 
Um, but, yeah, but they don't carry obviously the same power. That's just the truth. That's just the way it is. The way force is projected, the way power is projected. The bones aren't as dense. The muscles aren't as big. Uh, the upper the upper body that that you know you allows you to turn into the punch. Just the whole force is different. So you would think because of those difference that power isn't necessarily. Um, uh, uh, you know, with the exception of some women, like you've seen Ann Wolf and, you know, and, and the sort, there's some that really hit very hard, but yeah. generally most of them do not. So you would expect to see the skill level go up because the, the power, to yeah, exactly to compensate for the lack of power, but I just don't see that. And maybe it's because women's boxing is still in its early stages and yeah. they're not, they don't have like a bigger pool, a bigger resource to pull women out, female fighters out. It's funny, you know, somebody, some ex-pro uh, of my acquaintance stated, I think it was last year, he said, how come no women are noted for a particular punch? You know, like Tommy Hearns' right hand or yeah. Joe Fraser's left hook. He said, they just throw hands. You don't yeah. get a woman, they say, well, she's a lethal right hand puncher or she's yeah. a devastating left yeah. hooker. Um, you know, that doesn't happen, does it? You don't have yeah. that phenomenon. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's just because, like, there's a lot of flailing going on. There's over-aggression, and over-aggression means you're in, in instinct mode and you're not in intellect mode. You don't, you're not thinking, you're not executing, you're not, you haven't tamed your beast, you know what I mean? You haven't tamed so that. Anybody, anyone who tells you that the women are on par or that they put the men to shame, that is virtue signaling of the highest order, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. I mean, I think I, I think women show a crazy amount of heart, and if you want to judge it on that level, then we can go, you know, tit for tat on that. Um, when it comes to heart, women show a lot of heart in their fights. But then again, uh, you know, it's not like they're getting dropped heavy either. But at the same time, you're getting hit that many times on the head. It does affect you, like like being punched drunk is a legitimate thing on both sides. Well, Simon, a uh, 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 kind of controller, as it were, she said, on Mikey's point about Katie showing potential neuro neurological damage, could the excessive holding be due to her feeling the amount of fights she's had in her career slowing down or struggling to keep up as such? But the thing is, when people talk about the amount of fights she's had, right, Michael and Simon, uh, one thing I would say is that um, she's only had 24 pro fights. She had a lot of amateur fights. She is 37 years old. But people were talking about her like she had Harry Greb stats saying, oh, the end of a long veteran career. She's had 20, as of la going into last night's fight, she had 23 pro fights. And she had 23 pro fights. How many amateur fights? Hundreds, I'm sure. Hundreds. Hundreds. Yeah. She, there was a fighter out of the USA. There were many of them, but one was named Clint Jackson. And he was yes. amazing. He's an amazing amateur. Johnny <laughs> Bumpus, an amazing amateur fighter. Once they turned pro, that was it. Kelsey Banks. Kelsey, Kelsey Banks, Banks. yes. yes. Mm -hmm. uh, Robert Shannon. Robert Shannon was another one out of the double Olympian. Class. Sorry? Two-time Olympian, Robert Shannon. Yeah, exactly. I mean, incredible talent. And, and it's just they burned it all. Now, we're not only talking fights. We're talking sparring as well. So, yeah, so many of these women like Katie, you know, she's had hundreds of fights, but she's had thousands of sparring sessions. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. that changes everything. And especially if you're, if you're, look at how, look at how many fights she's had and how long she's been doing it. And, and, and look at the lack of like defensive skills. Like there should be some, you know what I mean? There should be some kind of like, 
you should be showing some defensive attributes. Like obviously, she's got good feet and good hands, right? She's got good feet, in and out, bounce, bounce, yep. and then and then blistering hand speed. She still has at thirty-seven, but mm -hmm. but but there's there's other ways to skin a cat, and there's other ways to hunt, right? Yeah, there are more than there's more than one way to hunt, and that's what you want to do when you're at the top of the food chain as a fighter. Um, you have to show different ways in which to do it, and. Um, and she has specifically one way with, uh, to do it, and it's brought her success, so they maintain that. I'm sure if there was, like, different levels of talent or different abilities, maybe her coach shows her different things. Maybe she feels the need to learn different things. But right now, I just see, like, like a light fog rolling in when I watch, when I watch her. It's, you know, and I've, obviously I've seen boxers, including myself, when you're starting to get hurt. I've seen my whole life, and I just, like, when she stops fighting and then and then – that sandbag drops on your head 10 years later, all of a sudden, everything's good. Five years you're in all of a sudden, this big sandbag drops on your head and things start happening with your body that you don't even realize. And it's because your, your guys weren't about the defense when you were fighting, they were about you, yeah. you know, going out there and then, and going out on your shield, and no matter what you do, you're going to make a good name for women's boxing and you're going to be a super slugger. And you're, you know, it's like, no, you can't do it. Can't do it. No, Joe's raised a good point. Maybe she didn't have hundreds of amateur fights because there wasn't there weren't that many women fighting when she started. That's really true. So do you know what? So Simon could probably box wreck it. You go to box wreck, but then you go to box am. You've got box pro and box am with box wreck, and you could probably tell us how many. It won't tell us how many amateur fights Katie had, but it'll give us an indication of how many that they've got on box wreck. They're incomplete records, of course, but um. Mr. Silk, are you ready? She could have fought the same girl. She could have fought the same girl, three hundred sixty-five days a year. Do you know what? Do you know what she actually did? She fought boys at first and pretended to be a boy just because she couldn't get bounced. I believe. No. I believe that's part of her story. That yeah. can't be true. How does she? How does? How does? What about the medical, the the way in or whatever beforehand? Well, you're talking. Not, you're talking about junior boxers, cool. kids. I think she maybe even gym shows. Yeah. Oh, it's kids, like it's like seven year old kids. Well, maybe not seven, but I, I believe it when she was a child, she fought some boys and pretended to be a boy. I believe there is a story that that once again, the veracity of that would need checking out, but it's something I heard anyway. That would be crazy. Um, we've got a question for Saj. I do want to move on to Benavides at some point, by the way, because we're, we're, we're like 36 yeah. minutes. Yeah, let's do we'll it. take one more question for Saj, which says, Ben. Are there any um, trainers you think would make great women's trainers specifically? I think I think Julian would be a great women's boxer trainer, he says. And someone like Adam Booth would too. Uh, well, I don't know why you think Adam Booth would necessarily, but I know Adam Booth was recently training Shannon Courtney. I think he still is, I believe, unless unless she's moved trainers. She was tra she was working with Adam Booth, certainly, in recent years. But why do you think... See, what, what makes me... What gives me pause, Michael? Loads of people who are not in boxing gyms and they've never met these trainers, never alone seen them work. They go, he'd be great for such and such, or he needs Freddie Roach, or do you know what? He needs Nacho Beristan. And I, I've, I don't know how they figure it out, any of it. Yeah, so much of it. Listen, some boxers, like you learn off them. It's kind of like osmosis. Some trainers, you learn osmosis. Some, some. It's interesting. You can have some trainers that have never boxed before, but they have a certain way of asking and 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 expecting and teaching and they're able to get you to the next level uh without even having experienced it that's something that's without having experienced actual fights in the ring 
which is really yeah. which is really interesting to me. Um, I, I it's one of the things I'm really puzzled. I can't really understand how that works. But you know, but, remember we had yeah. Richie Wenton on a couple of weeks ago. Remember uh -huh. the the scale your fellow scouser, uh -huh. um, and he sounds more like one. I must admit, but um, he he was saying I mentioned Dean Powell to him. It, Dean Powell's not a name would be usually familiar to you, but he was a big big name in British boxing. 10, 20, and 30 years ago. And he was uh, never boxed in his life, you know, by admission, but he'd studied it. He'd swept up the gym. He'd shadowed great trainers. He'd, he'd watched Jimmy Tibbs. He'd watched other great trainers. Uh, and he kind of absorbed it all like a sponge. And um, some people said, oh, he shouldn't be training anybody. Don't get me wrong. He was a matchmaker and he was on the business side. And he was a manager, but he did coach as well. And mm -hmm. some people would say, why the hell would you let Dean Powell coach you? He's never taken a punch in his life. Yeah. But was, did you hear Richie last week, no, not last week, but the other week, said he was a great trainer, one of the best. He said he had so many trainers, Richie. He said, I put him in the top six of trainers I ever had. Yeah. That's quite yeah. a lot. When it's your yeah. top six, not even, you know. But um, but he said this guy who never boxed was, was one of the better guys he'd had. And he'd worked with legends like, you know, Freddie Roach and Jimmy mm -hmm. Tibbs and mm -hmm. uh, yeah. you know, Brendan Ingle and all the rest of it. Yeah, you know, maybe even, I mean, sometimes I think even the ones, the trainers that we do consider great, maybe we should even expect more than them, more out of them than what they've, you know what I mean? So, yeah. so like, I'm not sure that boxing is going forward in terms of its progression as a whole, in terms of fighters' abilities. And maybe that's in part due to the fact that, you know, trainers aren't, like maybe we're seeing like these elite, elite fighters like Davis and Crawford and what have yeah. you. These guys that are that are amazing, and maybe they're amazing because Just in spite of it. Yeah, exactly. Or or, or yeah, in spite of it, or the fact that. I mean, it just has something to do with the. the I mean, I know their trainers are pretty competent, but maybe they, maybe they should be even better than that. Is what I'm saying. Basically. Well, maybe they should should work harder. What one thing I saw, Michael, in my time in the game was trainers who are prepared to rest on their laurels, assume they knew everything and not learn anything new, and they wouldn't know. I would talk to pro trainers, and I'd mentioned David Lemieux several years ago, and they'd shake their heads and say, "Who's that?" And I I feel it's somebody they should know about. You know that you've got fighters in and around that division. You know, all right, you're a long way away from fighting a guy, but you should be you know, keyed into the world scene and kind of, you know, aware of what's going on. But quite frequently, they weren't. I'll give you an example. Cornelius Bozer Edwards, when he was getting ready to fight Melvin the Tank Paul at, uh -huh. at, at London's York Hall um, in the I think 1984, around about 85, uh, he was training with George Francis. He was his trainer. You may remember training John Mugabe as well and yeah. Frank Bruno and a whole bunch of guys like John Conte. Mm -hmm. He... We um, were, me and my dad were hanging around the gym like gym rats as we did in those days. And Bozer was training him, getting ready for a fight. And we asked, Who are you fighting? We were talking to George Francis. He said he's fighting some fellow called Paul. Surname is Paul. And we said, Melvin Paul, which is one thing, or Jimmy Paul, which was quite another, right? Uh -huh. We yeah. said, Are you fighting Jimmy Paul from the Cronk or are you fighting Melvin, the tank Paul? And George Francis called, interrupted Bozer from his skipping and said, Bozer, what's the initial of the fellow you're fighting? What's his name? That to me, that's not good enough, <laughs> you know. But that was yeah. the way they were, you know. They didn't have so maybe they could try. See, Ben Davison gets a uh, jealousy from older trainers who've been stuck in a gym for thirty years waiting for the for their ship to come in, and they'll see him and he's been fast tracked. He, he was with, working with Billy Joe right into a world title fight, his first corner he ever worked on TV. Then he was work, next minute he's got Tyson Fury and he's got Fr Freddie Roach handing up to him. 
And some people say he's just a boxer size guy made good. You know what I mean? He's just a fitness first guy made good. And he doesn't know this. He doesn't know that. And, and etc. But but he works hard. I know he does. And he keeps he he watches boxing morning, noon and night. And he analyzes stuff. He probably works harder than some of those older coaches who might be sacred cows. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, well let me ask you something there. What does that mean if a man who's never fought before can train a person to be a world champion, father or not, included? If you could, if you've never fought before, and you can train somebody, and you can train somebody up to the point whereas they're defeating everybody else, everybody in the world, what does that say about boxing? You can. I mean, I think it's kind of. Do, do we have happened in order to, plenty of occasions? In order to 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 fully answer that question, when you say, "What does that ultimately say about boxing?" Are there other sports in which coaches have frequently not played the game themselves, like tennis coaches or soccer coaches? Do you get these coaching mavericks in other sports who are, who have been non-participants and, and and absolutely strictly trainers? But in their nature, in, inherently, they're just different from boxing. Boxing has, you know, boxing has uh, there there are different attributes that are expected in boxing than are expected in in like tennis or like there's the there's the pain, there's the hitting, there's the you know there's the defense, there's there's just some other things that that make up uh you know i just feel like if a person was experienced they'd be able to uh, impart their experience and that would help take a fighter to a further level but what does this say about the general talent of boxing if you can have somebody who's never boxed before i mean and it's almost like it's more more common than not the guys that haven't but, fought before are taking people to world titles. What does that say? I'd like about? to make it clear, by the way, Ben Davidson did box amateur, just in case you were taking the lead strictly from okay, the Ben yeah, Davidson. Yeah, no, I wasn't talking about him. I was just talking okay, about Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, amateur, amateur, amateur boxing counts. Absolutely amateur boxing counts. It better do. Um, <laughs> well, that's the thing. That That's one thing about you and Gary, by the way, is you've never, you guys never pull rank on me because I would only box amateur. You know what I mean? You have never, I've never felt that condescension from. from well, you, you know guys. what? Just, just wait until we get to a point where we can't explain it any other way. We can't come at you yeah. any, any other way. Oh, it's we coming. Can't come at you any other way. That's where we're gonna go. Well, do you know what? It's funny, by the way, the way your and my relationship and dynamic has developed since we worked together because it started with all this mutual respect and deference, especially on my part, inevitably. And it's and it and it's kind of I don't know if it's degenerated is the right word, but it's progressed into this really kind of tit for tat sibling rivalry vibe, which is kind of cool anyway. But it yeah, but it has yeah. changed, hasn't it? It's changed. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, you know I don't know. I, I think I mean I think everything's based. I think we're much more uh, out a front, like outward with with our feelings. Like we don't sort of mollycoddle them anymore. We just like say what we want to say and say it where the yeah. way it should be said. And so I think, um, but I don't think that's a lack of respect. I think that's from no. the convenience of knowing somebody and you want to just yeah, get- Yeah, we know each other better. And you, and you know that it's not, I'm not going to hurt your feelings by when I yeah. say it. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. And, yeah. and, and, and I'm not saying anything so drastic that's going to cause animosity between, and you're not coming back at me the same way. You right. know? And you also, you're a hard guy to offend. And even if it, even if it's, even if it has cut you internally, 
not, nobody will know about it until it's too late and they realize they're fucked up big time. Because you, you ain't gonna, you ain't gonna, you ain't, you, what did Eddie Murphy say? He's, he don't show his bruises on the outside. Karate man. <laughs> That's you. That's <laughs> me. But getting away from this more kind of introspective self, self-conscious loving that we're kind of having, let's go, can we go to Vegas yet? Or do you, let's, or you go you to Vegas. let's go to Vegas. So a lot of people fancied, uh, you know, said that Demetrius Andre was a live dog and a few people fancied him to spring the upset. It didn't turn out that way, Silk. He, he is very strong and offensively, he is a very uh, formidable fighter, David Benavidez, huh? Yeah. Um, he's, uh, I mean, I know going in that he had good hands, you know what I mean? The kid, he comes to fight for real. And if you're going to fight him, you're going to have to come in there with a lot of skill and a lot of ability. He just, he just does certain things that, if you're average, you're not going to beat him. You can't beat him average. You have to be beyond average to be to beat this kid. What did I'm you like? Andrade looked good um, in the early rounds. He really, nice hand speed, good combination punching. But but it's the kind of thing that hardly hardly makes sense. You know what I mean? Because it it wasn't. If it isn't effective, then what good is it? If your hand speed is not effective, what good is it? That I don't think that I don't think that. From what I saw, which is very limited, from what I saw, the kind of it wasn't effective punching. He was fast. The way his style was, it looked great. It's visually, it looks good. But was it effective? Was it like you could look at that fight and say, okay, this is going to be a different fight three rounds down the down the road? Yeah, yeah. Um, people are saying now after that, you know, they're calling the Mexican monster, I believe, Benavidez, yeah. and after him yeah. living up to that moniker last night again. People are banging the drum now for a fight with Canelo, and people in boxing certainly are saying that you know, regardless of what else Canelo may, what other options he may favour, this is the meaningful fight in the super middleweight division. Canelo is the undisputed super middleweight champion of the world, and that's who he should fight. You know, and uh, so that wasn't the title the fight way. last night. That wasn't the title uh, fight last. That was not a title fight last night. No, it was probably an interim title fight, but who gives a toss about interim? Uh, how could they charge seventy dollars for that fight? Isn't it? <laughs> Well, that's another comment. So, see, this is the thing, right? And they invent titles to justify this kind of, you know, pay-per-views, right? You know what I mean? The price. But I've always thought, I I mean, I think, you know, I think this, that boxing needs a massive clear out from the top to the bottom, up Mm. in the middle. And it would be nice to see some kind of establishment of a more integral world number one status in every division. And that doesn't mean you freeze guys out and guys are starving and waiting for a title shot. Obviously, we'd have to try and mix the old with the new a little bit. But, but you know, they they, they, they do. They, everything is pay-per-view now, right? If, if any fight is remotely decent, it's pay-per-view. It's not yeah. Boxing is not really on a free-to-air basis anymore, is it? Yeah. No, it's not. And that's unfortunate because in order for fighters to become superstars, there needs to be uh, this uh, attachment between the public and the fighter, the public and the pugilist, you must, you like, you have to, and that's what NBC and ESPN and ABC and CBS over here in the States, that's what they did. They give you familiarity with the fighter. You can identify with the personal personality traits. And that's what made us love our fighters. You know what I mean? Muhammad Ali, Larry Holmes, Mike Tyson, especially Mike Tyson. Even, even Even a Ray Mancini. Yeah, Ray Mancini, absolutely. You heard his story, the the love between his father and himself, and the Italians, war story, and the, 
Yeah, yeah, the Italian the coming coming up from you know um, Ohio and and his just everything about him. And you got to you know you get to see their personalities. You got a chance to identify with them, and they don't have that. <coughs> and that's why boxing exactly. is just so just so like you're here one moment and you're somewhere else the next because you don't understand the person's people who are experienced in boxing absolutely know that. But the major people, that's why they have to sell it on you know, guys spitting at each other and punching each other and all that. I'm going to yeah. kill them and all the rest because of Because there's no organic sauce right Because there's no substance behind it. So let's sell the fake beef every time. Exactly. And he's through a chair yeah. and all the rest of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's tired. You're right. it, it really yeah. is. It's really tired. It is really tired. And I think this is where we are. It's funny, you know, I was doing one of my uh, historical boxing tours today in London. Mm-hmm. And I finished the tour at the spot where Fle- Freddie Mills died. You know, mm-hmm. some some people say he committed suicide, shot himself in the back of his car. Some people say he was murdered by the, you know, mafia um, influences. And um, I was explaining to, I had a very young audience as well. Some of them were teenage boxers who attended the tour today, amateur boxers. And they were saying, I was saying that you don't realise how famous a man like Freddie Mills was in his in his time, you know, in this country and how much of a, you know, indelibly imprinted he was on the national consciousness. I said, even though Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua are famous, you'll find old ladies in, in, in old folks homes and stuff and you'll find somebody's mother or sister doesn't really know. They know the name, but that's all they know. And they know yeah, it's yeah, a boxer. Yeah. But they don't yeah. know anything else. Whereas Freddie was a part of the national consciousness. So was Henry Cooper, you know. Yeah, so yeah, was yeah. Freddie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I think you've touched on a very good point now that we don't really, they can monetize it more than they ever could. And yeah. and it's big where it needs to be big for the, for the yeah. purse string holders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, it, but it doesn't, it's not this inclusive, organic thing anymore. Well, well, you know what it is, Ben? Guys are, the fighters are like Pop-Tarts these days. You know Pop-Tarts? You get them over there? Yeah, 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 we got them. <laughs> you, 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 you warn not to burn yourself on them because when they come out the toaster, they can be real hot and you be careful when you pick them up, yeah? Yeah? Exactly, yeah. So they're like Pop-Tarts. They taste good, but you can't tell one from the other. Like, it's good for a moment, and then all of a sudden, you have just a bunch of Pop-Tarts. You can't tell what's what. It has no character, you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. That's exactly what Pop-Tarts are, and that's kind of like what it's like with fighting these days. Just these personalities will pop up. These guys will show... And, and some of them are really talented, and some of them are just, you know, substance behind them. And they're, they're here today, gone tomorrow. And and people don't get a chance to like identify with them. And that's what's so important. Like kids back in the day looked up to these guys as their heroes: the Rocky Marcianos, the Jake Lamadas, the Sugar Ray Robinsons, the Muhammad Ali's, and they're iconic forever. But I don't know if you're going to find too many fighters today that can go down as iconic fighters. Maybe it's just by the nature of this current sport. Like everything's a pop tart as long as you know what you know, you're, you're as good as, a, as 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 this thing is as good as long as it's in your mouth. That's when it's good. Once it's gone, it's gone. Tragically enough, I was training some kid over the last couple of years. He's about, I guess he was he was like eleven and twelve and thirteen as as these training sessions were progressing. And all he ever said to me was, can you get me a, a message from KSI? You've met KSI. That's unbelievable. <laughs> now, you know, I've met a few fighters of the great and good, right? If it wanted yeah. to show off to a young, a starry-eyed kid like me, if it had met the older me today, would have been like, my goodness, all these legends <laughs> that you've met rub shoulders with. This yeah. kid just wanted to know, could I get him any kind of audience whatsoever or contact from KSI, which is yeah. that's pretty tragic, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But how, how could he 
get anything else because all his in his world, that's all he sees. KSI, that's what he's seeing the whole time. And you know, yeah. the other the brothers out here, that's what they're seeing. That's the news. Anyone gets their news from the internet now, and that's where these guys have cornered their market. And and fighters don't really work any harder than they have to. They're like, look, I train, I fight. It's hard as hell. I'm not going to go hustle on the internet for another, you know, and then do these <coughs> little one minute screen grabs for people and all. They're, nobody wants to do that. They're about the work. They're about their business. So that leaves room for guys like Jake Paul. <coughs> Would you see what Eddie Hunt said the other day? He said. Fighters, you know, there's a lot of negativity from fighters about the YouTubers and the influencers. He said, and they're like, you know, this is not fair. I've trained my whole life to be, to try and get in a good position. And Ed, Eddie Hearn said, it's very fair. They built that marketing, you know, they, they built that fan base. And they built enough of a fan base to do whatever they choose. And they chose boxing. He said, it's very fair. I, I, can, I can certainly understand that perspective as well, because it is what it is. You get what you can get. You know what I mean? The world is, you know... You're a hunter. You, you go out into the world. You hunt. You bring home what you can kill, and that's kind of like the way it is generally in this situation or in this society. Anyway, you get yeah. in where you fit in, and if there's an audience for it, there's an audience for it. And yeah, you may be faking boxing and all the rest of that kind of stuff, but I guess people want to see fake boxing as well, and, and that's un, that's unfortunate. But that's just the way it is. But nothing's fair in that court of opinion. Nothing's fair there. Everything is everything is open. Everything is open. And and ultimately, you can take what their energy and you can spin it and bring. But it takes work. I mean, there's no doubt these guys work for it. They they obviously shouldn't be qualified or thought about or spoke in the same sentence as a real boxer or a real MMA guy or whatever else. You know what I mean? Uh, and I always thought, you know, quickly as a quick aside, one of the worst things that bothered me so much is like, uh, what's his name? Conor McGregor did all that talking before the Mayweather fight. And, and he got all that money and they both generated a lot of money, the whole lot of interest. So to your point about this YouTube boxing and all of us, that kind of stuff, entertainment boxing, and they finally get in the ring and Floyd finally did all the work to get him ready to go. And what did the referee do before... Floyd got a chance to land the time. He pulled the plug on it. I'm like, you're getting paid $75 million. And you did all that talking. You know, you guys went back and forth. It's the moment of truth. You got to eat this. You got it. Now he's got you tied. He got you exactly where he wants. There's a minute left in the round, and you got another round to go. And the referee, as soon as he wobbled a little bit, pulled the plug. I was like, that's what I'm paying to see, dog. You can't do that because, but at that point right there, if he would have, if he would have let that go and Floyd would have put a 10 count on him, seriously hurt him, boxing would have had much more respect. And you wouldn't have these guys coming in yeah. talking about the crap because they see McGregor, a real fighter, laid out for 10 by a guy who's not known as a big KO puncher and 20 pounds lighter or whatever yeah. it is. You know what I mean? So it's like they rob boxing of a clean finish and 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 to show that, hey, don't step into this turf. And, uh, yeah, they're going to nip the whole thing in the bud. Joe's got exactly. a question. Joe has a question for you. Yes, sir. Uh, a memory test for Michael. I failed it already. <laughs> Does he remember who fought 40 years ago this who week? Who he fought? Who you fought? Oh, who I fought 40 years ago this week. Well, 40 years ago. So wait a minute. I was... One second, one second. Um, 40 years ago this week. It's coming back to me. 
I must have been, uh, so it's 40 years ago. So I, I'm going to be 60 soon. So that's 20 years ago. So it would have to be in my pros. Yeah. Um, it had to be in my pros 20 years ago this week, 40 years ago this week. I mean, uh, so are you sure it was 40 years ago, Joe? It's on your record, no doubt. He's in the public domain and he's obviously found it. <laughs> okay, let me see. 40 years ago. Just before Christmas, 83, who did you fight? I, mean, oh, I was retired by then, 93. I stopped fighting in 1993. 83. Nine, 93. Eight, I stopped. 83. Oh, Jesus. Why do you keep saying 90? You got a sock in your mouth? Can everybody please confirm I said 80? I'm gonna I'm gonna cut this clip and give it to you every day of the week. I swear to God, you said 93. Guys, what did I say? And don't anybody dare take the piss and start going along with him. <laughs> okay, so 83. 83. Who did I fight in 83? God, um it was, it was definitely in Canada. It could have been, I mean, Roosevelt Green, I remember him. Um ooh, Roosevelt Green. Joe Banks, uh, it could have been uh, Al Ford, Al Ford, who was a real good fighter. He fought a lot of good guys. Um, he said 83. Um, Look, Johnny Melfer, 83. These are all people that you know. I don't know. They're kind of like running on your side. <sighs> yeah. Well, one of them. One of them's mixed race, if that helps. I mean, so you don't feel totally railroaded. <laughs> what kind of, huh? like, okay. And the uh, other guy's I, Asian, actually. So, so <laughs> I, I don't even have any Caucasian jurors on this this panel. Really? Yeah. Hmm. 83, Joseph's 83. So sometimes you get it wrong. It's just okay to admit that. 83, Joe said 83. God, I, I can't even. Uh, wait a minute. His name was Stacy, apparently. Stacy McSwain. Yeah, there you go. Who fought? Yeah, who also fought Wilfred Benitez and Errol Christie? And he fought Errol Christie. He also fought. Um, who's the kid out in Italy? He really good fighter. Minchillo? No, no. Um, he fought Michael Nunn. Actually, knocked him out, which is a surprise. Calambe. Sambu Calambe. Yeah, Calambe. Yeah, I think it was Sambu Calambe. Also, well, anyway, Stacy McSwain. When I fought him, that fight was held then. Let me tell you something. We went, man. That was that was a great fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because he fight. he went the distance with ten rounds of Benitez too. Yeah, and I had fought him, and I was I was at, get this. He was a middleweight. I was a junior welterweight, and it was Michael Spinks had come to town, and he was fighting um, Oscar Rivadeneira on that card. Oh yeah. And so yeah. the whole crowd, the whole city was talking about it, and we we're like, we got to get on that card. So we talked to Butch, and Butch was like, Yeah, we're gonna put you in, but we're not gonna put you in easy. You're setting the event. And I had only had four fights at the time. Five fights at the time. Sorry, five fights. And I was coming in. Um, well, anyway, nobody wants to hear this. But anyway, it was a hell of a fight. I, he was uh, Michael Spinks, one of Michael Spinks' sparring partners, and tough as hell. This guy was incredibly strong, strong, much stronger than me. He was a middleweight. I was a junior welterweight. But I fought him. I dropped him a couple of times. He actually dropped me in that fight. Yeah. Well. Breaking up a little there. Um, apologies if you're seeing a still screen where there should be Michael Elijah. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, and none of them, and none of them put him on his back twice like I did. And I was only a junior welterweight, so you know there are certain things like you. That to me, that was my one of my birth great moments. Like you know, when you feel like I've arrived. I'm coming of age. Yeah. I yeah, coming of age because I, I I really went through some rough ocean over on that fight. That was crazy. Was it filmed? And it was. It was filmed um, uh, by BCTV, I think, at the time, or CKVU. Uh, Would it be Britain. great to get the footage? I do have the fight somewhere. I don't know, not in my house or in my person. I think my mom has it. Okay, we're yeah. going to upload some of that stuff at some point. You know, for your legacy. Yeah, yeah, I got, I got to get it at some point. I've had some pretty interesting, wild fights back in the day, and and against okay. some really good fighters. I, I didn't. Like unfortunately, my, unfortunately, I wish I would have got a lot more, you know, guys that were going to take it, you know, a quick exit early. But there was some, yeah. there was some really good fighters in there. Don't you think you should do an autobiography at some point? Because you do have a, a pretty unique take on, uh, you have an intelligent take on boxing, which is quite rare to find from 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 a fighter. Not that I'm confirming any stereotypes of fighters. And I think <laughs> the way the way the way you captivatingly write on Facebook and, and you get compliments even from from really good writers like Joseph Dobrian. Do you not think that the Silk Diary should... I know Iceman John Scully has been promising to release his book for about 20 years now, The Iceman Diaries. <laughs> but how about the Elijah Day Diaries? I think it might, it yeah. might be looking at something. Johnny's bio is on ice. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Um, then my, you? I, you know, I don't know if I'd really um, care to in that. You wouldn't you necessarily know. want to put the energy into it. Yeah, there's a lot of things I have to accomplish still before I you know, hit that rocking chair. And hopefully, if I can get that length uh, into it, then I can have a little bit more to write about. If it's even interesting to anybody, I mean, I look at some of the fighters' stories that exist out there today, and mine just pales in comparison. I couldn't even begin to start telling my story in light of, you know, some of the stories I've heard. So, so it doesn't excite me to kind of want to do that. And I, you know, I don't necessarily um, I'm that excited about my own thing. I think, you know, I'm disappointed in a lot of ways and it brings up a lot of you know i wish i would have and all the rest of that kind of stuff so it's kind of eh. maybe you know what maybe at some point in the next 10 years maybe we'll do a biography instead and i'll do it i'll write it but i'll just i'll just i'll just ask you questions and stuff and then maybe maybe i'll do it for you yeah well thank you but i don't even like questions okay uh, what you don't no, Is that, like that's true <laughs> <laughs> you don't like questions though <laughs> yeah, I don't like questions. I, I'm, a, I'm a what do they call it? Like, not an autocrat, but something like an autocrat. Or... <laughs> yeah, well, you know, um, I've seen. I remember when Sugar Ray Leonard did, did a, an appearance, some appearances in the UK in 2015, I guess it was, um, and he decided not to be interviewed. I have the typical anodyne sometimes interview at these after dinner things. He just spoke to the crowd himself because that way. He controlled yeah. the, the whole narrative. The narrative. And yeah, I understand that. But, you know, uh, what I did want to say about getting back to the circuitous route to Andre and Benavides, yeah, I, you know what I love, Ben, about this fight going into it? What I loved about it, and sorry for, like, the meandering. We went way off track here. But we're going to pull it right back to Andre and Benavides. I love the mutual acknowledgement between the two of them at the end of the fight. You know, that's yeah. often the best part of a fight. When you see fighters, you know, they, they – they, when you see them with that mutual respect for one another, that means it was a clean competition. 
like that was hard. like both of them broke their heart their life they put it on the line and whatever's going to happen is going to happen and they both made it through one of them made it through and he lost one of them made it through and he won but they were they had that mutual respect for one another when they see each other 30 years down the road they're still going to be able to smile and shake hands even if they've never talked to well, one another for the last a good example years. of that was you and rm barclay today i know Saj ali wanted you to talk about the barclay fight because perhaps he's never heard you expand upon it before, but you yeah. got an interview, a little, a short little interview with with Iran the Blade Barkley, didn't you? In that in New York this weekend, yeah. Yeah. we're going to release it. We just need to do a bit of production on it. But um, yeah. but well, you know, it's still a good example, right? I mean, that was a yeah. build as a grudge match at the time. He said, "I want to yeah. thank Madison Square Garden for the opportunity to break his bones." Is what he said. So you guys are cool today, huh? You're bringing back the trauma. You're bringing back the trauma, man. I forgot all about that. The you line know, you told me is better. When he said, you know, you said, uh, he said he thinks he's dark and lovely. I'm gonna make him dark and ugly. That, I didn't know that. So you, told me that. <laughs> you know what? I, I blame that one on Mike. Um, what's his name? The the post writer. I, I I swear to God, I'm like that didn't come from Iran. I know that came from you because he's the one. Wally who, Matthews or someone? Or no, it wasn't Wally Matthews. It was another. Oh man, I can't believe I'm forgetting who it was. Wally Matthews is good, but he was with Newsday. The post at the time, I see him visually. I just with dark hair. New York Post writer. Yeah. He was the post in the 80s. Mike, it was Mike something. Marley. Bob Marley. No, not Bob Marley. Bill Marley. Michael Marley. Don Marley. Michael Marley. Yes. Michael Marley, yeah. Mike yeah. Marley. Yeah, that was it. Mike yeah. Marley. That was it. And yeah. uh, it wasn't come drag Bob Marley into this. Don't start playing. <laughs> <laughs> Who the cat fits, eh? I re, I re, mine. Um, yeah. yeah, so um, yeah, that was what that was a real line. It was funny. And one time, Mike Tyson got in between the two of us. We were at the, we we're all, all three of us were at the garden, and we were sitting together, and and Iran was saying stuff, and I was saying stuff, and Mike was kind of like, you know, lighting it, gaslighting it, kind of thing, and and it was it was funny. We started to get a little bit heated, but Mike was good with that. He did that with me a lot because. He did it Ooh. at the same time with the with the um, Weaver triplets too. They were all middleweights and they wanted a piece. Yeah. And, and Mike was just was just like poking that, you know, trying to get it started. Talking of Mike, since you, since you're on such good terms, I, I think don't you think if you ask Mike Tyson to come on Sugar Silk and Stretch, he may do it for you? No, you don't think so? <laughs> no, I, I, you know what? I don't. He, he I think made. Sugar Ray would. I think Sugar Ray might as well. Yeah, that's. I mean, yeah, that's. So why, so why don't you? Why don't you approach him then? Um. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Why don't, uh, if I have to approach him, wouldn't you? Um. You gonna pay for the flight for me to? Oh, what you could actually do it in person. You can't just like use the sort of telecommunications that people use these days. I, you want me to send you to Los Angeles and I'll find him. He couldn't say no. He couldn't say no to me if I were there in front of him, the physicality. But well, okay, change your plan. Let's both go to LA. You do the talking. <laughs> if, I tell you what, if we get to LA, we'll definitely get that interview. Sugar's, sugar's okay. Sugar's, well, we're, we're, we're gonna listen. We're, the, the the channel is is building. The channel is uh, burgeoning. We're, get, we're getting a little bit of traction, so you know um, we can do those things. We've already done one trip, right? We've already we've already managed to put one trip yeah. on the books. Uh, yeah, the yeah, Atlantic Silk Plane. There's way that came from. Yeah. And I'm gonna like turn the steering wheel back to the right with the Andrade Benavidez fight. Um, Go on. I, I think Andrade made the mistake of fighting flat-footed in front of like the Mexican monster. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you have to be close to like James Tony level of fighter in order to do get that. away with that. To get away with that, you can't. 
you can't stand in front of somebody like Benavidez because he knows how to punch like in the gaps, in the holes. Like what he, he'll he's strong enough to take what you have to offer, but he also does this. He covers up like this, and 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 what people do, especially. I don't want to say ordinary fighters, but predictable fighters will punch at him and they'll punch not around his hands or through his hands or they were not looking for an opening. They're just looking at it as a chance to punch. And so they're yeah. punching anywhere and they're punching his shoulders and his arms and his forearm and his gloves. And, and you know, he's bent over to the side. So his ribs are in his hips. So that muscle is there. So they're digging through his body, but he's flexed. So he's not feeling it. It has no impact whatsoever. And what they're doing is they're draining their battery. They're losing the ability to like to execute. And they're also losing confidence because they're hitting them and they think they're hitting them hard, but they're not getting through and they're not damaging him. And for that, and that not only that reason, a few other reasons, but then when when um, you finish punching, you're not moving your head afterwards. And, and he comes right back, Benavides. He'll come right back. He's got yeah. good hand speed. He's respectable. And he's got good power. He whips his punches. So he's got his body weight behind his punches. And you don't have that defensive, that that James Tony lights out kind of like you can't roll with punches. You can't get away. Yeah. You don't, you're not using, the, you're not, you know, your footwork isn't a part of your plan either. You're standing there right in front of him. So if you don't have any defensive attributes and you don't have any footwork, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get hit. And that's exactly what happened in this fight. Yeah, which sounds like another kind of a case for your ever-growing list of concerns about coaching these days and people being able to read situations rather than just riding, going while the going's good and going with what a fighter does well and taking yeah. the wins and then not knowing what to do when you find yourself in a crisis or a bigger yeah. challenge. And how many fighters have you ever seen being able to like switch up when things are going bad or, or yeah. not? Especially, how many fighters have the ability to switch up? Like it's it's so few and far between, and that's one of the skills. And maybe that's the reason why there are so many fighters that are trained by guys that aren't uh, that were not exceptional fighters themselves. Maybe if there were exceptional fighters that went back <clears throat> into the game, they'd be able to. Those are the kind of experiences they'd be able to impart to their charge. But, but they then, need the ch patience as well, wouldn't they? Because the, the, the often syndrome that is often described is that guys like, um, you know, geniuses in the ring are not necessarily yeah. good at communicating it, and they yeah. tend to be patient with mere mortals who don't yeah. have their gifts, you know? Well, that was one of the points that came up with Aaron Barkley last night. He goes, I just don't have the patience to even bother with these guys. It's like he this, said that. Yeah. Yeah, and that's most fighters. Uh, Poison Junior Jones, I spoke to. Most most guys are like, "Yeah, listen, it's just such an effort, and the the there's no guarantee you're going to see anything on the well, other side." Of that. You know what I mean? And uh, and there's nobody that's coming to you with with no fights. Um, that's going to, you know, you're going to be getting, you're going to be splitting three hundred dollars between the two of you for the first ten fights at least. Tell me about <laughs> it. <laughs> Do you know what? That's why I went off training for professional mm -hmm. fighters because it wasn't to be honest. It wasn't. Just, it wasn't a lack of financial reward where you know he gets a thousand pounds, which you've trained him for months for it. But you've gone for him for his license. You've you've made the transition so he's able to become a pro because he's been an amateur. You've spent a year with him. He makes his debut. If he sells all the tickets and and he needs to sell a hundred of them to get his thousand pound purse, you get a hundred pounds of that. It, it wasn't even that. It was the fact you're training him to fight journeymen who literally tell you they're not trying to win beforehand. I've had, I've had them say, you know, what, one of my guys 
fought a guy who was 12 stone two when he was only 10 stone 10 and he was worried. And the other guy said, listen, I've, I didn't know I was fighting. I've had several weeks off. I was supposed to be at a barbecue today. I'm heavy, but I'm fat and I'm just going to move around. So don't panic. You know, so that was what that was what took the kind of soul out of it for me. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I realize if you persevere, you get past that level, it gets pretty exciting. And I have been involved with fighters who've been on TV and been in title fights. And it's been a bit more glamorous. But I got fed up with the, the bottom rung, to be honest with you. You know, and I found it. I also found it a bit rep repetitive in the gym all the time, you know? It's yeah, it really is. I mean, but I mean, and that's exactly what you need repetition in order to be good. But yeah. one of the things, like, it's a sin that fighters have to sell tickets in order to get on a card. Like, what is the promoter's job? What's your, what's your, you say that, Silk, but th there wouldn't be any fights if the, if the small hall, if the fighters didn't sell the tickets, you just wouldn't have any small hall shows. What you exactly. need to understand is the audience is not there anymore. It just isn't there anymore. It's well, not a question of a job. I understand that, but it's not there, but, but it's not there. But what is a promoter supposed to do? And, and, and you know what? And what is a manager supposed to do? The manager is the one that's supposed to like take you and develop you and, and get those people. The fact that I have to like train. And, you know, I've had to train for 10 years and now I've got a, you know, as an amateur, five years, whatever. And now I'm starting off as a, as a professional. And for the next three, four years, I have to, you know, train my ass off, fight, then go and, and, and take up a handful of tickets and sell them to people on a corner or whatever I have to do in order to make, in order for them to come to see my fight. That's like, why am I doing your job, dog? You're but, but if you're not an attraction, then maybe you shouldn't turn pro because an amateur is when you box for the sport, sport and glory of it, and to achieve stuff. But if you're if you if you're not an attraction, then maybe there's no there's no call. No, for but you as an amateur, pro. but as an amateur, Ben, they don't know your personal story. Your your and it really doesn't matter because your ratings are determined by an organization right like from day one the amateur boxing association has got but but, but you're encouraged to build a following in the amateurs you know people who are savvy about the program i remember reading a book by henry cooper which was kind of a how to become a professional boxer guy for those who are thinking seriously of making a life and a career out of this and he recommended guys build their following in the amateurs because then then they have them you know and he was talking it wasn't as savage and cutthroat as it is today there was more of an organic grassroots audience in his era for boxing. But, you know, the, the fact is people know it's a commercial fo forces thing. And if, if you have a following and, and you're popular and you pack out you pack out venues or you sell your portion of the venue, then you're obviously going to be more in demand in professional boxing than you are if you, if you can't draw flies, you know? Yeah. But if you can't draw flies and you're, and you're a good boxer... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. That plays Somebody's fault. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like it's, it's yeah. So so the guy who's good and can't sell tickets because he doesn't know enough people or maybe he's just, yeah. not, outward, he's just not an outward individual. What's going to happen? He's just going to like, sit on the sidelines and you're going to give it to some guy who's less talented but knows And you know, that happens, Mark. You know, the syndrome we have in the UK, we have uh -huh. white, often white working class lads who come from a big 
healthy kind of grassroots working class culture where there's a football team or their dads on a local rugby got not rugby that's a bit upper class but it, you know the, the football team and all the rest of it and he's got lots of mates and this kid sells 400 tickets he sells yeah. out the whole balcony of the york hall he's yeah. blue-eyed he's white he's good looking he talks all right he's a bit cheeky he goes places you get the young black kid from the hood who might be the next ray robinson but he's got all his mates are either you know yeah. some of them are in prison some he's of them are he can't sell a ticket. Some of them just don't have the money. His parents might come, you know, or his sister might yeah. come. Um, and they don't get opportunities because they can't sell a ticket. And they exactly. may be the next Ray Robinson. Every, you know, and, and that all comes down to, like, I mean, yeah, that's the lifeblood of the sport. You know what I mean? And, and, it's, and, it, and it comes down to the fact that the fans aren't being educated on what a good fighter is, basically. They don't know. They don't know. Which, you know, Exactly. Generally, they can't look at somebody and tell you the difference between that guy and this guy. Which you know is I mean? why we get this situation where there's not enough money in Crawford versus Ennis. If people were educated and had the right information, that would be the big money fight. That would be the one yeah, people want to, to see. You have to say that again. You have to, you have to say it again, which is, which, is, say, which is why? Which is why you get a situation yeah, where yeah. they said there's not enough money for Crawford versus Ennis. Because the the audience is too ignorant to understand that is the most meaningful fight out there in the welterweight division. Yeah, and the same yeah. thing goes for Canelo and Benavides, and and this is why Ryan Garcia the other day said, "If Tank wants a rematch, he's got to come to me. I'm the bigger draw." He actually said that. <laughs> that is that is the insanity we live in. So, but and, and so when why would Tank want a rematch? That was pretty decisive ending. I was about I guess he just. I guess he thinks he's won the money again <laughs> that he got for knocking him out the last time. Yeah, yeah. I think he can. I think he could probably make more money than that with other fighters. Uh, you know what I mean? You would hope so, wouldn't you? But this is what Ryan Garcia believes he's still the A side and still the draw. That's what's in his head. I, I think he would. You know, he would wake up to a reality if they started. If they fought again, he wouldn't get as much. It's preposterous. Even just talking about it is just like this. I don't even know. It's it hurts my brain. <laughs> yeah, Ryan Garcia talking about Tank Davis talking. It's like it's just nuts. Leave that alone. Joe, Mix Thompson says, of course, lazy promoters love fighters that sell tickets. Just look at Eddie Hearn promoting Dave Allen and Joe Laws. See, there's the thing. Dave Allen was this pretty big phenomenon as far as he was never going to win anything truly special, he, and he was never going to become a world class heavyweight. But he was box office because he was personable. His story was, you know, they liked the story. He sold tickets from the from the ground level up. Yeah. And he's done really well and got on bills because, especially in this era, social media, he came across well on social media and he gathered more fans in that particular manner. So the guys like that get a push when they're not yeah. that good. Well, for better or for worse, it, it's business and it always comes down to money. So I can understand that, but at some point... There has to be some integrity in what you do. And money is sometimes, uh, is, you know, is often a show of integrity, and but often it isn't. And it just depends. I, I agree on with you. Thing. Exactly that. I, I could not agree with you more. Considering we've been disagreeing about things lately and getting a bit more comfortable with the fact that we are able to argue the toss on, you know, ad infinitum, I, I couldn't agree with you more when you say, yes, it's about money. It always has been. And we all know that people need to eat and live and that people want things and they want and their material. But there has to be some integrity somewhere along the line. Otherwise, yeah. why are we doing it? There has to be a cutoff point. There has yeah. to be a bit at which we say, sorry, guys, I'm out. I'm not, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not down with this. 
Yeah, it really does. For yeah, for the and that's you know, and and everyone's selfish and they're always about me and then the immediate and and nobody's considering the good of the sport. It's like okay, I can make five hundred million now if I do this. You know what I mean? But that means if you do this now for five hundred million dollars down the road, the sport's going to be worth a hundred million dollars. And but they don't care because it's about their get. And That's what Dana White says. Dana White says every fight in boxing is a going out of business sale. He said every big promotion is like a going out of business sale yes. with no vision, with no vision and, only, yeah. and you know foresight and the yeah. idea of trying to grow a brand and a uh -huh. sport. Exactly. Yeah. There's just no. Yeah. There's there's no consideration for anything else. So they get what you can get right now, and that's it. And that. That has hurt this sport that had such a, like such a tight grip, such a vice grip on the highest amount of respect that you can get as a sportsman. Like yeah. if you're a boxer, you're a world champion anywhere from like, you know what I mean? From, I guess, anywhere outside of the last like 50, 10, 15 years, you were seen as like practically like a, you know a man god you know what i mean yeah. like to be world champion it really meant something and, and now I, it just I'm, doesn't today listen shakur stevenson became a triple champion this week i think didn't he was it this week or was it last week but yeah. either way yeah I think it was this week um yeah. but he he became that was his third world title one and you know it just doesn't it just doesn't matter does it anymore yeah I, and i didn't see that fight either well, did, did you hear it broke the record for the lowest amount of punches thrown in a world title fight? I think it I, I didn't. I didn't know that. How many punches were thrown? Twelve around. You know, from the winner. Wow. It was. I believe it was a dozen around, something like that, on average. But they said it basically he broke a record for the lowest output numbers. And apparently, Shakur was injured. He had a bad. Yeah, whether it was a shoulder, um, I think. I, th I don't think it was his hand. I think or one of his hands. I think it was. Like arm or shoulder related, and he had trouble, I think, throwing the the rear hand as a uh, southpaw. And he said he had to be ultra conservative. He said he didn't he didn't feel good. He didn't feel good going in. I think he said he felt a bit under the weather as well. But it was um it was a real snore fest. I only watched I watched what you what are normally called highlights. I watched an edited approximation of the action, shall we say? And you got a sense of Can't call highlights. You got a good sense of what it was from there. Yeah. Exactly, you know. You but, think, um, would you? Would you? I mean, you love the sport. Would you see all of it? Would you watch all of it? Sure. I mean, I, I, I haven't chosen to, but if if somebody required me to watch it all, I would watch all of it. You know, listen. Okay, so that's so Ben. So that's your homework for next weekend. So okay, so you're setting homework now. That's okay. Cool. Um, it's that, and it sounds like a punishment because of the nature. Your of homework is to watch the whole fight. Sure, sure. Well, do you know, you know Sonny Edwards, who's fighting Ben Rodriguez. <laughs> just, because I'm, just because I'm smiling, I'm a happy person. I'm not trying to punish you. No, I, I get it. I get it. Um, I remember Sonny Edwards saying when everybody was slagging Guillermo Rigondeo off, saying he was absolute, he, he was almost like Mahatma Gandhi in terms of 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 a you know aggressive output. And they were, he was saying, "That's my favorite fighter. I love watching him." So Sonny like loved watching him, even when the whole rest of the world was slagging him off saying the guy never throws a punch in anger, you know. So I could probably find some artistry in Shakur's display, I don't doubt, you know. It's a taste. It's a, it's a taste. It absolutely is. I've, I've had, like, some fighters that were favorites of mine that didn't get busy, and I couldn't understand why. I myself have had the only fight that I've ever done this, and that was in my 
first my fight with Hearns, and for the first six, seven rounds, you know what I mean? Man, I was getting booed. I was throwing very few punches. But that was, you know what I mean? That was the kind of game plan that, you know, that was set yeah. out for me. And that's what they wanted me to adhere to. It wasn't necessarily, it's never been my way of doing things. But, you know, you have to do what the team should yeah. like decide. And, and, but at some point, you got to put your foot down and say, okay, you're going to cross this line now. It's time to go. And, and yeah. from what I understand, Stevenson never did that. No, I don't believe he did, you know. And the and thing is, say, it doesn't matter whether you're injured or not. At some point, that injury has to – you have to adapt and come along with something and bring something that's going to, um, you know, make the fight memorable. You can't Or else don't fight. fight. Or else don't fight. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't know why he couldn't. He's the he's the A-side in the fight. He could call that fight at any point. Yeah, so he, well, so exactly. So he must have said um, – uh, he, he must have said to himself, I don't think that uh, it's just it's beyond me. I can't even think in that way. I, I don't know. It was ridiculous. Yeah. On that note, this I think this might be our longest show ever so far. Oh, one God. minute 25. Um, I didn't feel like it. Yeah. Well, no, it's different. Like I say, without Gary, it just feels more sedate. Um, it's something that, um, you know, it's like I say, I like the trio. I like the way it works. Yeah. But sometimes it's nice to turn it down. Sometimes maybe one time we'll have to do a show where it's just you two and there's no me. That'll be interesting. I'll yeah, just sit yeah. back with popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> and then I and then you know in turn I'll watch you two. And I, I think let me see what would that be like if you two were to just do it together. I mean, you'd be agreeing with one another a lot. I can see that. It wouldn't be. But, but, but we and you agree with each other against him a lot of the time. To be fair. Yeah, so, you know that's true. That's true. He he. That's when he becomes a contrarian. Somebody commented on one of the on one of the shows saying stretch talks the most sense, which absolutely is wrong, by the way. And me and the silk <laughs> will tell you right now it's wrong. Did that come from England? Because then, if it was, they should have been using oh, the tense. probably, probably, almost certainly, almost certainly. Yeah. But uh, for anyone who's wondering, G Gary's not. Uh, Gary's busy with some projects right now in, in in Bulgaria, I believe. He may be back next week, or it may be one more week. But in the meantime, we'll keep taking care of you. It's still yeah. sugar, silk, and stretch, with or without Gary on this occasion. Yeah. Um, and unlike, I'm ready. I'm ready to make that a wrap of you, are silk. Yeah, I was just going to say, unlike, um, uh, let me let it go. I'm not going to stick my foot in my mouth. But we miss Gary. Can't wait to get him back. Um, I'm still leading in terms of. Predictions. Uh, yeah, it, we need to get back on that. We need, in order to get that, we need to do the bring the get back on the Fridays again. You know. So, yep. So I've been leading now for what's it been? How long has it been since that fight? It's been a few weeks since the last one. I don't get it. You must have missed one of them because me and Gary are three and two, and you're three and one. So you have you're winning because you have two one less loss, uh, which means you must have sat one of them out because you've got one left. Well, there was one that you can do a bit of show. I think I don't know. I think it was I like, traveling or something. I don't know. Yeah, you were traveling. You know, you, you guys know, didn't the ask me something. You guys didn't ask me, but you're, you know, so then you, I would have been. Could be argue you're not really leading. You just missed out one of the fights, so you don't. No, have then that. I I could potentially have been two up too, which you know. I, true, I mean, true, true. And initially, when I decided to do this with you, when we decided to put this thing together, I just messed around with a couple of things. I didn't like make them. I wasn't serious about it. I was just saying, ah, you know, let me just play around with these guys. But once you put my back to the wall and you saw how accurate my call was with uh, with Fury, yeah. 
and again and again and, and Fury, you saw, I mean, I called it to the knockdown to the to the win for Tyson. I mean, come yeah. on, guys. You gotta give me my props. Yeah, props duly given. Guys, thanks for watching as always. We appreciate it. Without you, there would be no points. I've been Ben Doughty. He's been Michael Elijah Day. In the meantime, be lucky. Keep punching. Peace out. Peace. Peace on pie. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.